Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grade traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market report for week commencing 17th of January 2022. Now, in a normal year, it would be the Norfolk dinner this week. We called it off early because in the middle of the winter, we thought there would be another terrible virus moment, which we've kind of right with. We're still happy with that decision, although it looks like the old Omicron is beginning to fade. We wouldn't have gained any friends if someone came over to Norfolk and caught the dreaded disease. However, the good news is, and this is exclusive to podcast listeners, we have booked St Andrew's Hall in Norwich for the 19th of January 2023. So podcast listeners, get on the phone to your favourite hotels, work out where they are next to the karaoke bars and all the other places that you ended up last time round. It's in the centre of the city and, yeah, it's the 19th of January. 2023 the Norfolk dinner will be back next year we're going to risk it so that's the first good bit of news the second thing before I get on to the miseries of the market because the market is really under quite a lot of pressure at the moment for the connoisseurs if anyone would like to carefully look at the March open interest on London wheat I'd like to sing a little song from the Bee Gees um, dedicated to doing grain with ah, 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 staying alive staying alive so in other words have a good look boys Yes, it's us. Which store would you like? Now, moving on to feed wheat. Old crop feed wheat in the doldrums getting a proper kicking. It's come down an enormous amount in one week. X-Farm Feb, when I wrote out the page, was 202. It's probably 200x, if you're lucky, for February wheat. March, probably 205. It is really under pressure at this point. I think what's going to happen is the disassociation of futures and physical market. I think the consumers will come in and start trying to buy it shortly. And I also think that they'll be trying to buy it at futures price and they won't be finding it quite so easy. So I do believe at last that premium should start moving out because there will be a reluctance from farmers to sell it at less than £200 a tonne. And they can quite happily put it off uh, because they've kind of won regardless. And it ain't going to drop through the floor completely, I don't think. Well, it's already dropped a fair distance, hasn't it? Let's face it. Milling wheat premium, a little bit under pressure. There's lots of milling wheat getting the ergot dragged out of it. So again, maybe that one is under some pressure as well. You can look at that. I'm not totally afraid with milling wheat premiums. I guess it's trading somewhere around about 250-odd. You know, so yeah, if you've got milling wheat, present the sample to us and we'll tell you what we can and can't do. Feed barley also in the doldrums, 195x for Feb, looking weak with the wheat price dropping. So it's come to within five or six quid of the wheat price let's all remember that but there isn't that much feed barley out there and also malting barley which is very much in demand i think there's been a lot of trade done in the last week or two if i was a farmer and i had malting barley unsold i think i would be getting on with it now i would get that sample in i would get it analyzed get confident about the quality of it double check your store sell it i mean prices are exceptionally high there's some very strange prices the market has traded over 300 pounds a ton for some grades delivered yeah you need to be looking very carefully at what are you waiting for exactly it's, uh, it's that old adage 
So get on with it. Next thing you know, there'll be bugs in it in March and it'll all go wrong and the germ will be gone and there's a £100 difference between malting price and feed price. So, you know, get on with it. Oilseed rape, old crop. Well, who's got some? It's kind of, if you have, we'll bid you, but I don't know, 5 90 name your price it's very volatile the market is dropping 30 40 euros and then rallying 40 euros it is all over the place and you tell me what happens next it's very very hairy and very expensive on margins if you have an open position start with that 460 round figures if you think about that over history dictates that 460 plus bonus is going to be best part of 500 pounds a ton very unusual to have that bigger price but obviously the, the issues we've had this year the lower stocks the price i've just given you for old club at £130 a ton more than that doesn't really probably encourage many people to sell but it is a good starting place so let's not be too bullish about everything. So new crop feed wheat probably harvested about 175x, November 180, 81x I mean that's getting pretty close to a line that I don't think farmers will step over easily sub 180 with the belief that fertilizers costing lots more money psychologically is gonna take a bit of doing you know we've seen it at near nigh on 200x store and stuff like that and it's kind of doesn't feel like it's enough money I bid someone the other day 180x and then oh that doesn't sound enough and here we are five pounds lower two days later so it is under pressure at the moment the crop does look good there aren't any major issues in Europe or Russia or wherever other than we hear not from the bbc but from the norwegian broadcasting company that the ukrainians have been hacked for their infrastructure today so maybe russia had taken a step over the border today who knows in which case and everything's off the table and goodness knows where prices will be but the new crop wheat still above 180 on november that's going to be interesting to see farmers reaction to it dropping below that which i think it might in the next week or two but I will add that the all new crop prices are one weather forecast away from a big rally. It's something to scare everybody. It won't probably happen till March, but there's always something that gets somebody excited. Feed barley harvest, probably 160x. Yeah, and malting barley harvest, obviously that equally is under pressure. The crop does look good. There is a reasonable acreage of spring barley going in the ground. If everything passes, the price of malting barley will drop. The premium will drop. So the levels at which we're talking at the moment, be it on spring barley's at a premium to non-futures, it's been 200-odd pounds a tonne. You know, perhaps if you've done nothing, I know you haven't planted it yet, but everyone's going to want to do something at the point they're planting it. So we've got to watch that one. It might slip slide a little bit too aggressively if the weather is being perfect for everybody. Anyway, so that's it. Another week gone by. The new year has been exciting. Not much activity from farm despite a dramatically falling market. Norfolk dinner's back. I can't sing. Everything's going to plan, isn't it? Anyway, thanks for listening and catch you next week. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. If your farm is looking to diversify, the first step is having the right website and logo. We are East Coast Design Studio and we're experts at creating websites that don't just look good, but get great results. Don't send your money to London. We're from Norwich, so keep it local. Call 01603 728 978 or visit us online at www.eastcoastdesignstudio.co.uk. 
Right, our first guest of 2022 is a gentleman called John Hardy. Hello, John. Good morning, Mr. Durning. Pleasure to see you. Yeah. Now, the first time I met you, I was on the way back from Berry Market in 1983. I worked for Dalgetty's, and I dropped a sample off in Wyndham for Richard Wake, who was your trader. That was it, and I thought, wow, Dalgetty's, I'll have you for much longer. <laughs> Very kindly, you shouted through from the back room, who's that? And came out, shook my hand, and offered me a job. And uh, you decided before you got in the room, so... Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm a great believer. You look at people and they've either got it or they haven't. Yeah, well, I obviously had it at that moment. I could do with a bit more hair. (laughs) Uh, Not then. Anyway, so we go back to a point where blindly you thought, right, I'll give this man a go because he looks like he knows what he's talking about. To be perfectly blunt, I was working for Dalgetty's and had done for seven years, no, hang on, five years from when I left school. And I'd asked Dalgetty's to give me a company car and give me a rep job and give me a trader's job and push, push, push. And they went... One day, lad, pat, 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 because I wasn't a graduate trainee, so I wasn't golden boy, and giving it to people who had no clue, but not to me. And you said, yeah, of course we will. You can have a car, mate. (laughs) And I went, right, you're booked. Well, yeah, and the thing is that I've always been a believer in giving the carrot to the right person. They'll try and get it. Well, I've said over the years, I have, you know, I've had a number of people who've influenced the way I trade and the way I work. On the trading side of things, my greatest mentor was Ivan Bishop. He was my boss when I was a kid at Targetti's. He's always been a close friend of mine. We've worked together two or three times throughout our careers. And he taught me about trading and the integrity of it and how it all worked and the, the pitfalls and so on. But how to deal with farmers, how to actually not be subservient to them, but be controlling of the conversation and actually have the relationship with them where, you know, when you go to their farms, you haven't got to tip your cap all the time. You taught me that. Well, it's a situation that we've all got a place in life and you've got to have a style. The thing is, they've got something to sell. We need something to buy. There has to be a compromise and a reason for wanting to do it. Yeah, but the dynamic of your relationship with them doesn't have to be, thank you kindly, sir, does it? No. You were next. You were a seedsman, weren't you? When did you start in the trade? Ooh, uh, I'm <laughs> 72 years old now, Mr. <laughs> Doing. I sold grain seed a few years ago. I, good God, you really are. Asked me a horrible 1965, question. 66. And you worked for Herbert Parkers? Yeah, started Herbert Parkers. Again, the good old Chris Parker. I It was a company that I had great aspirations of owning, and Chris basically didn't let me. <laughs> but in the meantime, Bungy Kenneth Wilsons were in the hunt, and as I grabbed you, they grabbed me because I had a bit of potential. Yeah, and so KW... At Norfolk or KW Anglia, you were part of the management team of that? Yeah, it was the KW Anglia, where they had no involvement in seed, and that was at the very, very beginning of the oil seed rep world. And ah, we Mikado. basically, yeah, got involved in growing the rep market and they suddenly discovered with a bit of expertise and that they could get into the market. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, just for the, the old boy connoisseurs, as a rep for Kenneth Wilson, I was given sort of southeast Norfolk to trade and John Hardy was the main Norfolk connection and his main background was seed. And we had Richard Wake as the local grain trader, but the king of the grain traders for Kenneth Wilson was none other than Colin South. <laughs> South of the mouth. And uh, boy, oh boy, that was an experience. So when we went down to Man tree to visit the team and be educated in how people were grain trading for 25 pence a ton i stayed in colin's house because he probably got some sort of fee for putting me up and his son at breakfast punched me in the head he's only a little kid and instead of being reprimanded by colin south he said good lad that's how you treat reps (laughs) 
Oh, I didn't know about that one, Andrew. No, no, no. I caught the little runt with my elbow on the way out. Well, oh, sorry, Sonny. Just like John Cleese, it gave me great pleasure. And he cried. Anyway, sorry about that, if you've got brain damage, lad. So, back to you were managing a team, and you were taking on people quite regularly. It was quite a new, fresh idea, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Going back, that was the early huge expansion in the grain market. KW were owned by Bungie, and Bungie, being the oil traders, wanted market share, and basically we were given the freedom to find the right people who had the ability that farmers wanted to trade with and to grow the business and that's what we did. Yeah, I can remember trading with some notoriously difficult people to trade with. You know, the Hugh Cranes of Upton and the Tom Cranes of Oxney. Oh, yes, Hugh on, Crane. God, yeah, but, yeah, Norwich Market. What do you want, boy? <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? What's your fault? Yeah, and all that stuff. But uh, the dynamic of being the most aggressive on oilseed rape was great because it was an, an area that other companies had never had an established. I always trade with them, you know. I was able to break in and trade with some of these accounts that... Yeah, to be fair, Andrew, we pulled you away from Delgetti, but... You did have the skill, which if you were given a challenge and something new and something that was beneficial to the farmer, you grabbed it mm. and rape was a new crop then. And okay, Mikado was a very short-lived variety, but it did expand the market and you made an awful <coughs> lot of progress in the industry. I got a free jacket that said Mikado on it. <laughs> I still got I the leather <laughs> briefcase. <laughs> My Kenneth Wilson days, just for the record in those days, I, that you also gave me the job of going around with Arthur Hart who was 75. He's a good old boy, not born and bred. And uh, that was an education. I've got already told some Arthur Harvey's stories, but I inherited from him a number of smaller farmers around the county, and he sold them everything. And so I actually was an agronomist. I remember selling <laughs> Britox. And I was, an, I was a fertiliser salesman, which I just, oh man. Yeah, but come on, all that general knowledge didn't do any harm, did it? Well, I kind of knew, yeah, I mean, my love was always grain trading. At 16, I started learning about it. So that was always going to be my main forte. And thankfully, in the years since, that all of these other occupations, you've had all sorts of basis training and stuff to teach you how to do it. And there's dangers are attached, whereas grain traders have sufficiently stayed ignorant all the way through. Which yeah, is, but be suits. careful, be careful, Andrew, be careful. I'm out of the industry to a degree now but it's too rigid now that there is not the knowledge within the industry of a broad side which is required the roundedness of any subject you need to have good understanding everybody lives in a box don't they correct and outside that box they're not prepared to comment and i've had a rant a couple of weeks ago about people not thinking and that is the disease of the modern industry i think just outside the box thinking i mean still need innovators yeah as someone who has the idea correct yeah why didn't i think of that but what happened you, kenneth wilson how long did you last oh, there the kenneth you... wilson thing was great uh, the expansion and that they basically took the grain market the rape market and everything was fantastic bungie looked to change their direction and at that point in time i've always wished to be my own boss and at that time we were dealing very heavily with ram farmers mm-hmm. and the guy who was running the seed for the america him and i started grain seed mm. and we did the same as anybody else did. You started a business on a dream, and you had to have that dream. It was hard the first two, three years, but man, it was the most enjoyable journey I've ever had. And then along walked this beautiful young Viking girl called Astrid. Ha! My pension fund. <laughs> 
Well, you know, talk us through that. How did yeah, that happen? Yeah, yeah, the good thing was that with Kenneth Wilson's, they had an involvement with a breeder in France, and basically when Kenneth Wilson sold out to Dalgetty, the breeder came to me and said, would we work with them? <coughs> so that my forte then principally became in the forage maize market and of that area, which we ended up with roughly around about 40% of the market on and yep. off all the time. And then they, they came good on rape and... And my dear friend Astrid, she did us very proud. She was basically a big innovation for the rape market and the well, growers. Short straw, big yield, yep. you know, home back, good performing variety. It, was a, it still takes a bit of beating some of those yields that she had. Oh, it was very, very consistent and it was very successful and very good for the industry. And it was yours. Yep, and it's basically, it's, it comes back. You just have to go to market if you believe in something. Take it to the market and people will come with you. Yeah, well, I mean, so Grain Seed was the vehicle that you were the major shareholder in? Oh, yeah, I was the owner. Basically, Eric retired after a very short few years, ill health, so I was the owner, and we just kept it going. And eventually, Nadira bought it out, and I retired. Yeah, and you've just kicked around doing the football pools every week ever since, and nothing else, yeah? No, <laughs> without going into too much detail, you do have a degree of knowledge, Mr. Doing, that <laughs> I have got other ventures going, which... Um, Gigolo. <laughs> Too old. <laughs> Athlete. <laughs> yeah, no, so you've got something that you're going on at the moment, which is, you know, equally as exciting, and it keeps you from, you know, I don't know, just being boring doing the crossword, sitting there pestering Christine for her attention. Yes, yeah, I, I couldn't <laughs> sit. As I said, once I retired, I got involved in the Heritage Lottery project for a very large sum of money, but that was a huge thing, and I just enjoy being in and seeing responses and getting involved with people. Yeah. You're one of the people I've mentioned on a number of occasions on the podcast, the Chubbuck Challenge. And <laughs> the Chubbuck family were, you introduced me to them. They bought seed from you. You traded with them all the way through. I came along as the newbie that you kind of like that pushed the poor Chubbucks into having a trade with me. And Neville's never forgiven me for selling a Kenneth Wilson milling variety, whose name I always forget and he always remembers, that was grew about twice the height of normal and <laughs> fell over and it was a disaster. But yeah, ever since those days has, well, very loyally sold me the grain ever since. Yeah, but you're hitting the nail on the head that if there's trust with people, the thing is there's winners and losers. If you work with people, everybody gets a bite of the cherry mm. and life is easy. And the Chubbuck Challenge thing has been good because it, as far as that is concerned, it gives everybody a grounded feel to us about what's happening on farm. Yeah, what's it's really also happening. a good social thing to get an interaction about the industry. Yeah, certainly. It's every single July. It's, it's very important to know what you know heavy south norfolk ground is going to produce because it's a big aspect of what happens in our local area and that's my benchmark so we do that every year together don't we and other than that what do you do with the rest of your time then is it just like yeah you're pushing me now because kicking tires around the marketplace no no you know fine well without going into too much detail here that i had an amoeba of an idea for many years which everybody thought was nuts was it lupins Ah, <laughs> lupins were a good thing. The lupins are back in. The, the thing is, we gained a lot of progress there, but we, yeah. we, we had a few disasters <clears throat> once it was let loose on the industry. No, the, the beauty of this will all come out in the wash somewhere in a, in a year or two's time. If, if your idea, the nub of your idea, comes to fruition, it will be another, hopefully, another Astrid moment. If it does, great, you know. But the thing is, it's keeping you occupied some of your time, which is great. Oh, yeah, come on, Andrew. I prefer not to say too much no. about what I'm doing, but it is 
a business involved within agriculture, yeah. very specialised, and it is something that people think you're nuts doing. But that's part of the challenge because there is something out there and making it work is by far the biggest motivating factor. Yeah, let's ask you a question about the industry. (laughs) Nah, obviously you're well past that. (laughs) I'm still very active, obviously, with all the demands. No. (laughs) The industry, what do you think of the modern day industry? Sitting looking at the onsets, and as I say, I, I had a close involvement with your son a year or two ago, just trying to sort of get him interested in the industry and to knock some of the corners off. Yeah, it does not have the depth of knowledge. It's not committed to the industry, I think, as it should be, and it's two channeled. You're talking about his generation, not just him, I hope. No, no, the area, the trade, yeah. not not Josh. Jo- no, jo- Josh, I'm really chuffed with because he... he... Yeah, you're not, you definitely knocked some corners off, yeah. Yeah, I knocked the corners off and, OK, that you, we set a few targets and it's a thing, a father-son relationship, you need yeah, somebody Packer, just to, to come in. But, but his, his generation, back to that, it, that, that you know, so to quantify... They haven't got the hunger. They're two channels and, and the thing is that companies are bigger but there's still leaders and mm. entrepreneurs somewhere within that structure who set the direction. Do you don't think they're too stifled? Some firms don't allow staff to talk to press or have any outspoken statement. They aren't allowed to say anything. Yeah, I don't care what organisation, somewhere, whether it's the very, very top, they have got to point a direction mm. and take a decision and follow a whim. And when I say a whim, there's a little man inside your head either says this is a good idea or a bad idea. We'll go with it. Somebody has to make a decision. Just for the modern woke, it could be a man or a woman inside your head or a non-declared sex. <laughs> Just in case there's any woke types listening. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I do apologise. That's part of the pleasure of being able to highlight just how incredibly up-to-date I am with this mixed-up world. So, yeah, that dynamic of that idea going inside your head, the structure, as I see it, of large companies is you can't actually make it happen, can you? Unless you, you know, you can't say to your boss, look, I really think we ought to build a milling wheat blending plant or something without it being just slapped back in two seconds flat. Someone has to make a step that you can't prove on a piece of paper that any particular thing definitely works. The instinct, the little man said, I think that's going to work. Now experience dictates it's far better not to make the step if you're an accountant. But at some point, I think within big companies, you can't actually make that decision. People are too stifled because they have to follow the line from Mm. further up. It's just the decision making now goes much further up the ladder and if you look at international companies of even take Facebook, Tesla and all of these type of things, there is a head there who has made the success purely because they've had a feeling Mm. of a direction which has been beneficial. The people at the bottom end now have got no say, they just follow the role. So if you were 21 and you came into the industry and you had the same fire burn in your belly as when you were 21 in the 60s would you stick with it or what do you think you'd do would you get out of agriculture would you, what would you your instincts oh no no i'd say with agriculture <coughs> that was all i knew i i came from a very simple background mm-hmm. and it was a situation i enjoyed agriculture the people and everything within it and everything it goes for i still don't have a different view it is a very different industry out there with different constraints but there are still a lot of opportunities 
Yeah, there are, aren't there? There's people who've got fields that could grow something different and there's enough farmers <laughs> out there. No, there are, though. There, oh, there God, are yeah. farmers out there with the burning desire to not just lamely go on with the same old, same old. There's people looking for something to aspire to, isn't there? It's always been like this in life. If you take the 100% of people in whatever walk of life, 20% lead, 40% follow and copy very well, mm-hmm. and then the remainder just get dragged along. And it is that top 20%, no matter where you are, make the whole system work. Yeah, I think that's a nice summary. I think you're right. And I think, yeah, so within this world, there is, if someone's got that little person inside their head saying, there's something this could happen here, and you you are being stifled, I think the inspiration you should take from Mr. John Hardy, and to a degree Mr. Andrew Doing, is you need to step out. Oh, God, yeah. Have a crack. If you've convinced it's right... And it's got it in, and you've thought it through, go for it. Yeah, and if you're wrong, what have you lost? Face, ego. In the end, people will think much more of you for actually having a crack than not, is the point, isn't it? Correct. Anyway, with that, John, I said we we're going to do a podcast. You know, whoa, 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 whoa. It hasn't been so arduous, has it? Well, the poor old man sitting here, no, it's because I haven't told you what I'm doing. <laughs> no, no, you never were going to, though, because if ever there was a man who spoke in riddles and never gets you to the end of the question that you're really trying to get to, if you don't want to... It's you. Yeah, be fair, Andrew. You know it's nearly there. (laughs) Cheers, Andrew. Thanks, and good luck with everything. Yeah, thanks, John, and thanks for your time. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released, and follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.